You're going to enjoy In the Trenches with Dave Lapham, brought to you by First Star Logistics today because Solomon Wilcox is our special guest. Solomon is a great player with the Bengals. Remember the SWAT team back in Super Bowl 23 era. Remember those years? Those were great years. Solomon's gone on to be an outstanding broadcaster in many media platforms, and he is a football savant. Love talking football with Solomon Wilcox. And he talks about the Cincinnati Bengals, not just a game. We examine multiple games. We examine the entire season. We examine everything there is to examine about the Cincinnati Bengals. And Dr. Wilcox does an autopsy, and it's pretty good. I mean, good conversation about the Cincinnati Bengals, what they're doing well, what they're not doing well, and how it can improve. You're going to like listening to Solomon Wilcox. Thanks for taking time to join us once again in the trenches with Dave Lappin, brought to you by First Star Logistics. We are in studio, this magnificent studio as always, and we're joined by a guest who's magnificent himself. Solomon Wilcots is his name. Played for the Cincinnati Bengals, played for the Pittsburgh Steelers, played for what, three teams, I guess, all together? Minnesota, Solly was? Yeah, yeah. Got a cup of coffee in Minnesota. It was fun. (laughs) A a brilliant career, and now in the broadcast world, an equally brilliant career. Solomon Wilcots, a man of many talents. Thanks for joining us, my man. Oh, Dave, thanks for having me. Always good to be on with you. So, as a former Bengal, as a, as a former Bengal that was a member of the SWAT team when the Cincinnati Bengals went to Super Bowl 23, what's your opinion on what's going on defensively, Solly? You know, hey, it's tough, right? Uh, the you know, As they would say, these are the times that tries men's souls, right? right. Uh, <laughs> in other words, this is where we really find out about you. <laughs> uh, in, in short, that's the Cliff Notes version. Yep. No, you know, we often talk about uh complimentary football. You hear that term being thrown around a lot. I remember um years ago, um, I was covering the Baltimore Ravens and I was sitting talking with, with Coach John Harbaugh, and we were just talking about just how the games and how things are played. It's funny how when you sit around with coaches, you find yourself talking. And, and that term complimentary, like one piece has to complement the other. And he was like, yeah, complimentary football, right? And he was like, I like that. Yeah, I remember him, I remember him saying that. And then next thing you know, that that kind of uh, term, it's like an adjective which describes um, the ideal way yeah. of how football should be played as a team, not relying on one phase of the game over and over another not being so quarterback centric as many fans would believe teams ought to be and that they are. You and I both know quarterbacks can't win by themselves. It's just impossible. Why they are an integral part of it. You need more pieces to come together. And it was like, I remember talking to Bill Polian during the 2010 season when Peyton Manning was lost for the year. Um, he had that neck injury. And that I mean that team ended up losing so many games. They ended up getting the first overall pick the next year, and that's how they got Andrew Luck. And subsequently, Bill Polian was fired, 
and I remember it was happening. I remember how that team was constructed around, around Peyton Manning, that if you pulled the pin, it all collapsed. Yeah. And what that meant is he was the kind of quarterback that got an offense out to a, a quick a quick start. They were used to playing with a lead. And because you played with a lead, that means other teams had to throw. And because other teams had to throw, you had two small edge rushers and Dwight Freeney and Robert Mathis yep. that can go hunt the quarterback. They knew how they wanted to play, but they could only play that way if they had Peyton Manning. You take Peyton out of it, now you don't get the lead. You know what happens nowadays? You got to stop the run. Mm-hmm. Your small edge rushers aren't meant to be run defenders. They're meant to be pass rushers. And now you're, the complementary pieces don't come together. And I think our defense is experiencing some of that. They're playing great at the beginning of games, because, but our offense is not as efficient. And so when you have multiple three and outs, now you start to wear and, and wear down defensively. And now you start to give up over 150 rushing yards in each of their last three games yep. during the course of a three-game losing streak. You could see these things that are uncharacteristic for a Lou Anaromo defense starting to show up because of the inefficiencies on one side of the ball began to um, plant seeds for you to become inefficient and in, in, in areas, lots of areas on the other side of the ball. Uh, well, well said, well put. To me, this last game against Pittsburgh, and you know Pittsburgh is, as well as anybody, you part of that organization. Mike Tomlin, I mean, he is unbelievable what that guy has done. We could go on and on about him alone, but third down in this football game, the Bengals go two for 10. They can't stay on the field. Yeah. Pittsburgh goes eight for 16 when it counts. They had a, a kneel down on third, kneel, knelt on the ball first, second, and third down to end the game. So I'm, I'm not even counting that. They're eight for 16. But I mean, the money down, right? I mean, mm -hmm. Pittsburgh got rich. The Bengals went bankrupt. Third and 13, Pittsburgh, 29 yard completion to Fryermuth. What? On third and 13? Yeah. Third and three in the second quarter, 39-yard completion to Johnson. Third and eight in the fourth quarter, 43-yard uh, completion to Pickens. you got them where you want them, third and long. And yeah. all three of those, or two of them are third and long, one of them is third and three, all three of them. For 111 yards on three third-down plays? Yeah. I mean, man, oh, man, that's, to me, third down was where the game was decided because one team couldn't stay on the field, the other team did and melted the clock. I mean, the Pittsburgh ends up with a 15-minute time of possession advantage, and that's Steeler football. Yeah. And look, and you know, this is we're talking about the development of a team that's not the team that it was in 2021 and 2022. I, I just think we've got to now we should be better offensively. Yep. Because we are the same team on offense, right? Um, outside of two players, um, we're really the same team. Obviously, we have a better left tackle in Orlando Brown Jr., but without Samaj P. Ryan and Hayden Hurst, we pretty much have the same offense. Defensively, though, it's a lot different. When you take away, and look, a lot of people don't think maybe the safety position is in, in vitally important. It is as a because a quiet defense is a struggling defense. In other words, if you're not communicating, you're going to have a long day. You've got to communicate um, on defense pre-snap to make sure that you're in position to make plays. 
over the last two seasons in 2021 and 2022, you never saw people throwing the ball over our heads. You never saw people creating big explosive plays. I don't want to say never, but at a very low level. Right. And particularly on third down at critical moments in games, that's we had a run here this year, even where we were making the, the turnovers. But we're just talking about consistently not giving up big plays, which is even more important. We love the turnovers, but if you said which one are you gonna be able to do more consistently, we cannot give up big explosive plays of 15 yards or more in the passing game and win a lot of games. Um, but when you lose the safeties like um like Bates and Bale. And you have younger players uh, who are not um, as steeped in the defense and understanding Luana yeah. Romo's scheme, so they can't communicate as well. Our linebackers working with Mike Hilton and the D-line works at a high level. But if, I'm telling you, if you're giving up plays on the back end, you're struggling because that can cost you games in a passing league like what we have in the NFL. And right now that's where we're struggling. We did miss Cam Taylor-Britt. Uh, on Sunday against the Pittsburgh Steelers. There's no doubt. But we do miss more consistent play. And Dax Hill is going to be a great player. But not even Jesse Bates and Von Bell in year two were doing what they did for us in 2022 and 2021. So it, you have to be there for a little bit, have it all sink and soak in. And we're going through some of the growing pains. And when the offense is lacking the efficiency, it doesn't protect some of those area of, of concerns on defense. So tight end Friar Muth, who um, 11 targets, nine catches, 120 yeah. yards, 29 yeah. yard long play of, on the day. Going into the game, he had come off a hamstring problem. He's out for five weeks, but he had nine catches for 60 yards on the season. He has his first 100 yard receiving game as a pro. The last time yeah. he had 100 yards receiving was at Penn State. I mean, nine nine catches mm -hmm. for 120 yards. What did you see, Solly? What 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 did they take advantage of uh, so effectively? And now you go to Jacksonville. Jacksonville's got themselves a tight end. I mean, you, you know, and it's a copycat league. You you better be ready because you know you you go down there and you're going against Evan Ingram. That's a player. Jacksonville has a much more efficient and consistent offensive passing game than what you just saw against Pittsburgh. Right on. Uh, Pittsburgh, oh, that was just elementary. They change a coordinator. Um, they start – we're going to try some new things, and I think it was tough to know what they what you could expect. But I do know pre-snap, I'm sitting there saying they're going to the tight end because when you see two high safeties, split safeties, you got to try to get behind the linebackers and get down the field. Yep. Linebackers can only push it so far down the field. Whenever you're playing um, split safety, cover two, the safeties have to play the number two receiver to their side. So that might even be the slot receiver or the tight end. But they're going to try to work over the top of the linebacker into that scene. And you, and if you're the safety to that side, you can't let him cross your face. You can't let him get inside of you. you that means you have to keep inside leverage to keep the quarterback from throwing that ball. It's too easy of a throw. And yeah. so you're going to allow that tight end to get inside, as we did all day. Kenny Pickett is going to throw. He's never had an easier day than what you saw on Sunday. That's why it's the first game in the last 58 
They went 58 straight games without over 400 yards of total offense. And the first game without Matt Canada, they get the magical 400 yards uh, a total offense. Right. Um, so uh, we we got to do better at communicating. We got to do better at recognizing what teams are trying to do. And I'm talking about at the safety, at that third level of the defense. And, and listen, our run game can be a little bit better, but what happens is we wear down over the course of games um, because our offense lacks efficiency. They lack the ability to stay on the field. You know, the big guys <laughs> in the trenches on defense, that after a while, man, you start getting up to 50 and 60 snaps. Things are going to become problematic. If you go back and look at every game this year when the offense has not been able to produce, particularly early in games, our defense wore down early. Week one, give up 200 yards of rushing to the Cleveland Browns. Right. Go back to the Tennessee Titans game where defense played very well early, but over time they wore down. Next thing you know, the, the dam breaks and Derrick Henry is starting to hit it. And so over the last three weeks during this three-game losing streak of the Bengals, they've given up over 150 yards rushing. So when you have to now stack the box a little bit more against the run, teams are still creasing us on the back end. Uh, this is the most plays I've seen a Lou Anaromo defense give up uh, since he's become the coordinator. He didn't change overnight, but some of the pieces that he has to work with, um, it's going to require a little patience. There are some growing pains there. And then again, the lack of uh, complementary pieces, it, it's, it's, it's having a negative impact on, on the other side of the ball. No question. No doubt about it. The Bengals have given up more explosives than any team in the National Football League. That's that's a tough stat to be last in the league uh, yeah. uh, about. The, the good news uh, for the Bengals defense, they continue to be effective in the red zone. Pittsburgh had 421 yards offense, like you described, and scored 16 points. I mean, they get in the red zone four times, score one touchdown. The Bengals have a red zone uh, turnover, a takeaway, a fumble. So now that eight possessions in the red zone, they've come out of it with no points allowed. That's tied for best in the NFL, and uh, they're they're giving up a touchdown just over 50% of the time in, in, the, in the red zone, 51.2%, which is top 10. They're ninth in the league there, so... They're they're that bend but don't break deal. You know they're they're doing a good job defending that that red zone, that short field area. But man, teams have gotten there too much. I mean, it's it like it's a track meet to get there. Forty three times already they're in the red zone, second most in the NFL. It's you got to you got to somehow you know yeah. put, put the finger in the dike. You know, control some of that damage. So when you're working at the twenty uh, yard line, you got the entire field to work with, right? Yeah, the the weakest area of our defensive unit right now is the third level, not the first level, not the second level, but third level, even further down the field. And teams right. are attacking; they're creating the explosive plays, like what you just cited. Uh, and now they're moving the ball. Once they get into the red zone, there is no third level, right? Yep. <laughs> so, so the area of liability for our defense is now erased. And now the other two areas that play really at a very high level, our defensive line, our linebackers, the second level, count Mike Hilton in that area, that space, mm -hmm. he's so good. Um, that's where now our defense, you see what our defense really is. Um, you and I talked about this during the preseason, the early part of the year. Our young defensive backs, they're young. 
we knew there was going to be some growing pains, but I, they were playing really well in the early beginning. We've had some injuries now. We've had some, maybe some pieces that are misfired. Right. Um, so we've had to get um, some rotate some other players in there and they're learning. Um, and so, but it, you have to play together as a group back there. You have to communicate. And that's where I'm seeing things not really taking place as well, as much as I'm sure they would like. And certainly as much as Lou Anaroma would like. Um, but the first two levels, the defensive line, the linebackers, they play great. And that's why I think once they get inside the red zone, the positive things about this defense are elevated and uh, the liabilities are erased because that third level, there's not enough room to attack that level. Outstanding point. No, no question about it. Why do you think a Lou Anarumo defense is a sure tackling defense. And that's been problematic this year as well. Yeah. You've experienced it, Solly. I mean, what what is, is is tackling? Is it, you can talk fundamentals and techniques and all that, but it's attitude, right? Isn't that the biggest thing? Yeah, it's not, it's not about how to, it's about want to, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, I do think when you have young defensive backs, they do have to totally dedicate and commit themselves. They really do. This is why you go for players that have played in big time games at the collegiate level. And uh, and we have that, you know, yep. you have guys from Alabama, guys from Michigan, and they play in a lot of big games, big time programs, right? Where you're working on these fundamentals because it was a high priority for Coach Harbaugh at Michigan, definitely a high priority for Nick Saban at, at Alabama. Mm -hmm. uh, but when you get into this league, man, hey, Getting guys on the ground. Look at Logan Wilson. He knows how to get them on the ground. You know, Jerm Jer you know, uh, um, Jermaine Pratt. He knows how to get them on the ground. I think Mike Hilton's one of the best tackling defensive backs in our league. Yep. The, it starts with the linebackers and the safeties. And when you lose veteran safeties, I'm telling you, man, you lose a lot. We don't expect corners to be the best tacklers. We just expect them to be willing tacklers. You got to got to be willing, but they need some help, right? Because they're typically undersized. They have the speed, but they're going to be undersized. So you got to rally to the ball. And right now, when you've got one guy trying to get them down at a time, for me, that's a problem. And I know for the coaching staff, it's the same way. We shouldn't be – we should have multiple guys there. Yeah. If, we, if we're flying, yeah. we're bringing it. He's not trying to elude one guy at a time. He's trying to elude multiple defenders at a time. And it's got to be that kind of energy. And I see that from this defense. What happens is when the – again, I'm not pointing at the offense, but we're talking about complementary football. When you have an offense that isn't efficient, not staying on the field, you know, multiple three and outs, and defense having to go right back out there, and then you get a turnover. You got to go right back out there. You can wear down over the course of a game. And now all that rally to the ball, the speed, the effort, the energy, and the hustle, you're one step slower. And yeah. all you need for some of these guys on offense, uh, man, you one step slower is too late. Yeah. Um, and so it has an accumulative effect, I, I think, at the secondary level particularly. I'm not making excuses. I'm explaining it. We got to yeah. be better in those areas. We got to execute. Tackling is, is so very important. But Tom Brady said it. He talked about the mediocrity in our league. And, you know, I watched the Monday night game with the, with the Vikings and the Bears. Uh, it was a turnover fest, right? 
there were more turnovers than there were touchdowns. Right. Right. And so that's the mediocrity he's talking about. And if anybody wants to push back, they need to understand that he is the foremost authority in this category. Like I defer to him because yeah. <laughs> he demanded excellence, right? He did not tolerate mediocrity in himself as a player. And so if he tells you, if he's now looking at your game and saying, here's what I see, don't push back on that narrative. You ought, you ought to be consulting. To, all right, Tom, let me see. What are, what are you seeing? Well, I'm seeing offensive linemen who struggle to block now. I see offensive linemen who are overwhelmed with defensive players who have who are superior when it comes to their athleticism. Right. When it comes, they're superior when it comes to their cardiovascular system and their ability to keep coming. A TJ Watt, a Miles Garrett, they are supremely more athletic than the offensive linemen today. And that's why they can't block them, which puts what? Our quarterbacks in more jeopardy. So we're going to pay, oh, we're going to pay our quarterbacks a lot of money. And we're going to try to pay a couple of linemen to protect them. And then the guys <laughs> that go get the quarterback, we're going to pay them a lot. And so the the inadequacies of, of how we're really taking care of the players, how we're training them, offensive linemen coming out of college today, uh, they're not at the same level. We we got to get better at blocking, tackling, the fundamentals of catching the ball. Um, of those four interceptions in the Monday night game, two of them went off the hands of his receiver. Yeah. So uh, I hope I didn't go down the slippery slope, but just just kind of talking about what we're seeing here. No, I hear you. And it's, it's all well said. Let me ask you about DJ Turner. I mean, the kid played every snap. Um, he stayed with it, the back line of the end zone, you know, play until the whistle, never quit on a play, gets it out of there, gets no no touchdown, no no possession, picks up the fumble. Almost I thought, man, if anybody's gonna go to the house, fastest guy in the combine might be the one. He reminds me a little bit of ET, like yeah, an unbelievable athlete, sprinter type guy, but still has football skills. And I'm not saying he's gonna be a pro bowler like Eric Thomas. Yeah. But he has some of that stuff that ET had. What do you see when you when you look at Turner? Yeah, I, I you know Eric Thomas is my one of my best friends in life. Yeah. So, and yeah. I see him every day. We talk every day. We work out uh, multiple days a week. Yeah. He's a personal trainer. Still lives in the Cincinnati area. I tell him that all the time. ET reminds me of you. Yeah. And now it's technique and attention to detail, staying low, and not allowing a receiver to to um, you know, to stack him on vertical routes. That's where they get in front of you. And they whether they slow down, they can you can't pass them. I don't care how fast you are, if you're stacked right behind them, um, like being in a uh in a lane uh in traffic and you're in that one bad lane, you can't get around the guy, right? Because he he stack you right in front of you and you're right on his tailpipe, right? No move, no, no right. place to move. And that's what happens to him. He gets stacked. He'll, he'll learn these kind of things at the NFL level. He's a really, really good player. He has football skills and football instincts uh, to go along with that speed. Um, I think I, I think our generation, our second generation of defensive backs for the Bengals is, I, it, it's very promising. Um, with Cam Taylor-Britt, yep. uh, DJ Turner, Dax Hill, um, we've got some really good players. They're just going to go through these growing pains. E.T. went through those growing pains. There's no doubt. Mm -hmm. um, and came out on the other side 
uh, as a fighter, right? Still yep. making plays and and became one of the best defensive backs that we had at that position. So um, he's making plays. He's in the fight. Um, and every now and then they're going to get him. Um, but guess what? He's going up against the best on the other team, and he's just a rookie. Um, and I thought he I thought he played well. I love his heart. I love his tenacity, and I love his determination. Um, and I think you're going to find that the, the plays he's making, the positive plays are going to go up, and the negative plays will they'll they'll decrease. Finally, Solly, let me get you out of here on this question, and, and appreciate you uh, spending all the time you spent with us. Quarterback Jake Brown, I'd like your assessment of, of Jake, but but <laughs> Pittsburgh ran it 33 times for 153 yards, like we talked about. The Bengals 11 rushes for 25 yards. I don't care who the quarterback is. You're going against Baltimore and you're going against Pittsburgh. Those defenses, and it's one-dimensional. If you're a Pro Bowl quarterback, you're going to have problems with all that they can do, pre and post snap confusion. And I mean, it's it's like <laughs> It's like a rush hour out there, man, when you you can't settle them down at all without a running game. How do you think Jake did overall in his first NFL start? You said 11 rushing attempts. Really, there were only eight. Three of those runs were by the quarterback, Jake Browning, because he was running for his life. Ben Gazzara, man. Ben yeah, yeah. And so we called only eight run plays. That's, I think that's a that ties a low. Uh, that we saw last year on Halloween, right, on Monday night against Kansas City. Eight rushing attempts called in a single game. For 16 yards. For 16 yards. Two two yards yeah. a pop for Joe Mixon. Can't do it. I think if you would talk to Zach Taylor, he'd tell you, yeah, we can't do that. He, he, he'd tell you. And, 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 and you're the AFC North. And this is that time of year where he, he gets it. You got to pound the rock, man. The way you help a quarterback, and I, for all of the smoke that's out there, there is no bigger piece of misinformation is that the running back is not what he used to be and is not as important to the game of football. I can't tell you how big of a – that's propaganda at its finest. <laughs> <laughs> at its finest. <laughs> and at this time of year, I mean, you look at the teams that are winning. You saw the the uh, Philadelphia Eagles, and they come from a high win. They play both of those teams ran the ball that night. Hell yeah, DeAndre DeAndre Swift. I mean, he helped Jalen Hurts, and because Jalen Hurts is a runner, he helped himself, right? Yep. And the same with Josh Allen. You got to run the ball, and if you want to help your quarterback like Jake Browning, you've got to really be intentional. When you come to the ballpark that day, and we're going to set him up with the run game. It's not think wide receivers first. It's think run game first because you know what that does? It helps your linemen. It, it oh, becomes yeah. easier to pass block when you do go ahead and throw it because it's going to come off play action. Play action in the run game has already been shown that when it's time to throw it, your receivers get greater separation in the passing game. It's been proven, right? Uh, it's been proven that when you're running the ball a little bit better, quarterback has more time to throw. Yep. He gets greater separation for his receiver, so guys are more open. So his job becomes definitely um, much easier. He, he completed 73% of his passes in his very first NFL start against a really good Steeler defense. 
Big time. Now, now I think it was sacked four times. He was hit. But the guy, the game didn't seem to overwhelm him at all. I, in fact, I think he looks better now than he did at any point in the preseason. So kudos to Jake Browning. This is a kid that believes in himself. He needs some help. I did think the interception was fundamental. Don't ever throw late toward the boundary. Because if, you, if you're late in our league, they're going to make you pay. And that's what happened. That interception was critical because it was just as they were approaching the red zone, um, looking to get more points on the board. Could have definitely had a field goal there. Um, so, But that's just the way it played out. We, we didn't do enough to win that game when you really think about it. Got to be able to balance your offense, make it – if you're one-dimensional – with the quarterback in his first NFL start. That's not fair to anybody. Jacksonville, 87.4 yards allowed per game, fourth best in the NFL, four yards a carry allowed, ninth best in the NFL. It's not going to be easy, but you got to get the running game going down there in Jacksonville, man. Jacksonville's defense is much better than anyone even thinks. Absolutely. They, they get after it now, I'm going to tell you. This is a team that beat the Chargers in the playoffs last year. Yep. And overcame, I think, a 20-point deficit to do it. Um, and uh, Trevor Lawrence is as talented as any quarterback as you're ever going to see. He's got all the tools. And uh, this Travis Etienne, one of my one of my favorite running backs. Mm -hmm. uh, speaking of running backs, he's valuable to that team. And Calvin Ridley, he's going to remind you of Chad Johnson. Quick feet, fly paper hands, and, the, and he can flat out play. And and they got some other guys in Christian Kirk and Evan Ingram. Uh, man, you got to bring a lunch pail now to beat this team. They've, they've grown up rather quickly, Dave. They have. And and Allen on the edge, he's got 12 sacks, tied for fourth in the NFL. So they stopped the run. They bring him, you know. And yep. uh, Walker, the linebacker, he, this kid was the first pick of the draft. Allen was the seventh pick of the draft. They got players defensively, Solly. I agree with you. You know, They got some stars offensive. Man. Their, their defense, it's a snootful. You gotta you gotta be ready to go. Man, you gotta go. Hey man, if, if we gotta beat a team in the AFC South, right? Don't we gotta beat somebody, right? <laughs> we, we lost to the Titans, we lost to, to Houston, uh, and now we got uh we got the Jaguars and the Colts coming up on the schedule. So we gotta we gotta get this thing turned around. I'm telling you, man, swept the NFC West. We gotta yeah. I got a petition into the commission to change divisions for one year. Not not getting any traction, Solly. Not getting any traction whatsoever, uh, man. No, no, it's okay. You know, we we like it uh, grimy in in the AFC North, man. But yeah, we gotta we gotta adapt to some of the principles too that's required to win in this division. And you and I both know that's physicality and running the football. Bingo. <laughs> You're the best, man. Thank Solomon you. Dave. All the best to you, my friend. Getting it done. Appreciate it. Bye-bye. Dave Lapham here. Great stuff. And every day, I am grateful for my experience to have played professional football. As a player, I realize self-motivation, leadership, and appreciating your teammates are key. At First Star Logistics, you can use those same attributes to create the life you want for you and your family. Build your future by working hard like I did. You'll see results both on and off the field. Call First Star Logistics today and be part of our winning team. Ding!